How can we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the process of discipling others? Is discipleship simply a class that we take? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today for this sixth of seven podcasts featuring my interview with Pastor Ted Veer. Today, Ted relates that he continues to invest in the lives of individuals, even at age 92. First, he describes the tremendous need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Looking back over your life, you've had many challenges, lost three wives, yeah. a lot of challenges uh, in knowing whether to go to Africa, the timing on all that. How do you uh, view those challenges in terms of the Lord working in your life, if that makes sense? Well, yes, it makes very much sense. And I think that this is where, and I'm not trying to be condemning at all, but I feel that the church doesn't doesn't grasp the Christian life. Um to be to realize again the pillar of fire in the Old Testament was God leading at night and the pillar of cloud in the daytime. God specifically led the children of Israel along the road. And God wants the Holy Spirit to lead us. He's given to the Holy Spirit as an assurance, but the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to take us the principles of the scriptures, but to extend them into our lives. For instance, go into all the world. But that's a general thing. Where do you go? But the Holy Spirit will lead you to go to your neighbor, go to me to go to Africa, somebody else to go to South America. That's extensions of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things that, that if I could look at myself that I failed the most in is to be sensitive, to be quick to do what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do continually, and then to rely on His power. In the last year or so, I guess I've, I've made it a habit every morning pretty well, Lord, I don't know what's on for the day, but I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be able to communicate as you want me to, that I'll see things that you want me to see. For years I've prayed, Lord, to guide me. And the Lord has been convicting me, Lord, help me to see your guidance, because you're going to guide me. Help me to see it and discern it. And to walk in that, even the slightest things. And that's been a help. That's been a challenge to my heart. And the Lord has given me new insights into those things that are that are along the way, and I'm so thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Discipleship, we alluded to early on and uh, talked about the fact that you felt like after you became a Christian, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on, at least you could perceive, that's in right. spiritual growth. That's right. I know that's been close to your heart throughout the years, right. both in Africa and, and right. the church, and even recently. Tell me something about your heart for discipleship and how you have implemented that in your life. You know, discipleship has been, was a further new thing later later on in life now, but uh, it's been a part of my life all the time. And I've really had some lot of struggles with this because I'm thinking of discipleship almost like a class where I like a manual, I like instructions and so on. And every time when I when I get a couple of men to work together and I say, well, now I'm going to go to a class, it doesn't go over. It just falls apart. But when I when I pray, Lord, I don't know what these men need, but they're here they're yours, you showed me, almost invariably we'll get onto some topic and the Lord will bring a scripture to mind 
and then we get onto it, and it goes. And I, I, I have come to close in more and more that it's the waiting of the Spirit. As you and I talk, if we meet every week, one week you'll have one need. I don't have an idea what that is. Or I'll have a need, and you don't know about that. But as we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit meshes that together and meets that need. And that's been a thrill, thrill to my own heart. Secondly, I have been impressed with, and that's very difficult to do here in America, to get people on the memorization. I didn't, I've done a lot of marriage counseling, but in the last several years when I've had, I've said to couples, you know, I don't have the answer for you, but I can, if I can strengthen you spiritually, you can make your own decisions. And so this one couple I had, they come from, from McPherson and we got together and uh, they were, they were living together. And I said that to the man, I said, I'll just, let's go every week into the word of God. And we did that. And after about six months, she wanted to come. So she came and after another month, they got together. We've seen them really growing in that regard, but it's giving them the scriptures and, and to let the word lead them and to direct them. And mm -hmm. and uh, one of the verses that I start with is John uh, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of peace give, give you uh, give you joy in in vision. What is God? What does the Holy Spirit want you to do in your life? Okay, then let's go for that. Mm -hmm. Here's where we want to go, and that will help us. That helped me a lot. And then let's apply scriptures. Um, uh, in marriage counseling, the biggest problem is selfishness. Okay. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 are so important in that regard. Because if we, if we will do nothing but selfish ambition and conceit, boy, that's going to change our conversation. And that has been a help. I had one doctor who had been separated from his wife for two years. They came, they were coming for a while. He said, if we'd have had this type of training, we'd have never separated. And that wasn't my counseling. It was simply the word of God to memorize and to put in effect. I believe that God's given me his word for purpose. Okay, then let's use it. And let's, let's buy specifically what I need at this particular time. Mm. And so that has been a help to me. And I wish I'd have thought of that earlier. I wish, uh, wish I'd have known that earlier, but that's life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, Ted, how old are you right now? I'm 92. Are you still discipling people? Yes, yes, I have. You know, some of my older people have died off. I will not sit now. It's closing. And then the Lord gives me some new ones. Mm -hmm. So I have three men that I'm working with now, particularly, and that's one couple. The one couple I've gone, I still meet with them, but I'm back to once a month now instead of weekly. Mm -hmm. But the, the, with the men... Uh, one of them is, was daily, was weekly for a while, but that's down to once a month now. But I meet with them and we're seeking to accomplish growth within their lives. And that's been a thrill to my heart to yeah. see how God takes his living word and applies it within them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to give you one instance that recently with a fellow that I was working with. He's been a believer about 10 years, but just kind of an obnoxious man <laughs> he's pushing his way upon his kids and upon people being over aggressive one day as we were studying here and i the lord just really made it clear to me his problem is that his dad has caused him trouble with over control with biblical 
even biblical, but not, but a verbal abuse. So I said, you know, you're listening to those voices to this day, and you're going to prove that your dad is wrong by forcing this on people. I said, Jesus knew that he would be abused as well. And the father said before he was abused, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, you're in Christ. So you're, that applies to you as well as to, are you going to listen to your father? Or are you going to listen to what God says about you? He just melted. He just melted when that truth hit in him that he didn't have to be proving himself that he was accepted in the Father. And that truth is such a blessing to see in the changes within his life like that. That, to me, was was the the directing of the Spirit of God, and I'm so Mm -hmm. thankful for that. Amen. We've been impressed by your um, intentional discipleship of your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, can you speak to, uh, first of all, the importance of that, and secondly, kind of how you do that? Well, several things. I have determined right from the beginning that when my boys got married, I wanted to know their in-laws, just because they're going to be fellow grandparents to my grandkids. So I wanted to know them, and that has been a help to me. I think it's it's bonded them not that I taught them so much, but it was a bonding to them, and they had respect for me. So that, that was that was a really bonding in that regard. And I've tried to, I tried to to uh, to interact with my my boys as much as I can. I don't always accomplish feel that I can accomplish a lot of teaching with them, but I feel that relationship is so important that we maintain that relationship there, and that that we re- that I respect them. Um, for instance, one of the simple things that I did when, after Melinda was gone, of course, they lost their mother. And, and, uh, when I start thinking of remarriage, I realized that I could alienate them with this. And before I did anything, I wrote to them and I said, I want, I want, if you're ready, then I'll go with dating. If you're not ready, I'm not going to do this. And I said, I want letters from all 10 of you, not five of you. Not my boys, I want my daughter-in-laws as well. And Terry wrote and said that, you know, as far as we men are concerned, you can go ahead and get remarried. But our daughters, they're not ready yet. And they said, thank you, Grandpa, for our dad, for for allowing us to be ready for that. So that was a blessing that we could do things together. And that was a strengthening uh, even with the grandkids, because that then filtered down to the grandkids, mm-hmm. and and they 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 just contributed to me, and and was in this process that was a real help. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep track of it for a long time. I every month I would write them an email, all the whole family. And when the younger ones get bigger, they got an email. They got a copy of it as well. To this day, I, I I'm, I'm not doing it as much anymore. But I wrote them again for uh, for Fourth of July. That's our Freedom Day. I wrote that true freedom is to be the slave of the right master. I want that to stick within their minds and hearts. And so we got weaknesses like any other family. But I want to keep this cohesive as much as we can, and to bind our families together and keep us going. Yep. 
I think at one point you had the equivalent of the Jewish bar mitzvah. Yes. Perhaps. Do you remember that, how that went? <laughs> that's a, uh, the Jewish bar mitzvah is, I'm not sure if it was 12 or 13 when Jesus was did this, but anyway, that was the age. And so, uh, coming from Africa particularly, we, look, we, we missed our kids an awful lot. But when our grandkids started coming along, I felt that when they reached the age of 12, most of them accepted the Lord at the age of 12. And if they were, if they'll give me their testimony, then we'll have a party for them, in which they give their verbal testimony to our party. And then Grandma and I would get a confirmation, and we had two uncles and two aunts give a confirmation. Mm-hmm. When our younger ones now got on, we even included another of the third generation giving them a confirmation. Mm-hmm. But we want them to know. That we care for them, that we care for them, that we're going to watch them, we're going to pray for them, we're going to keep them if they go astray. And uh, I have been amazed how we've done this. How often, when you have a family gathering, the little kids get, run around. And you, but when this happens, they're they're there. They sense the weight of it. And uh, this has been a real blessing to me to see the family rallying in this, to see them. The uncles and aunts giving some real thought to this, often even giving a little gift as a reminder, this is what it's going to mean to you. We value you. You're a part of it. You're starting now. You're becoming an adult. You're not a kid anymore. I think that's missing in our culture. The only only transition is a, when a guy goes to college and guzzles beer. Well, that's a, that's a sad... Or when he gets married. That's a sad... Write a passage that isn't really worth anything. So that's what we did that for. And it's it's a blessing to our hearts and it's I'm seeing it coming now in the next generation. Mm. And that's been that's been healthy. It's been good to see. So I just praise the Lord for that. Because I think I think again in the Jewish thing, the idea was there was that they would realize the seriousness of it and the the commitment to the Torah. And so we wanted this as a testimony to clear. One other thing, along that one time in this, David, uh, bless his heart, I know he wouldn't mind me saying his name, but he came to me and he said, Grandpa, when you first wrote to me that I could give my testimony, I said, sure, I can do that. But the more I got to thinking about that, I wasn't really sure. So I went to my dad and I make it sure now I'm ready to do that. Mm, wow. To me, I, if I wouldn't have done that, he would have gone on thinking he was okay and he had nothing to grab onto. Mm-hmm. So it was a help to him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a help to, to all of our kids to realize that this is where I stood. Mm-hmm. This is a commitment. Amen. What is something you would tell a Christian young person today with regard to the importance of living their life for Christ, the importance of making disciples? I, definitely two things that are very important. Get into scripture memorization so that you have you have a contract with God. I, I like to put it in the term of a contract with God. God's part and your part. That makes a contract deal. Secondly, share with somebody. Because we often we often don't share. Let me give you an illustration. I had a girl in my Sunday school class. She was in high school, she was a senior, and I asked her later on, I said, Are you when have you accepted the Lord? She said, I accepted the Lord when you were preaching the other day. That was wonderful to me that she had accepted the Lord right there while I was preaching in there. But I failed to lead her into giving her testimony to the church. Lost the knack of a church. She isn't growing. And I think I failed at that. And I think 
Romans 10, 9, and 10 still tells that we are to believe in our heart and to talk it with our mouth. When we verbalize to one another what God is doing, even our failures and our successes, then then that becomes more real to us. And those two things are important, I yeah. think. I, I just I just am very concerned today with the church not being sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. And we don't we don't verify publicly what God is doing. We're we're, we're keep it all quiet and then we communicate that perfection is the goal. And if I don't if I can't reach it, I'm gonna make it they fake it. And that's what we don't want. Uh, not that we list all our laundry. No, that's not right. But that we walk in the spirit and let God He guide us in that regard. Walk in the Spirit. Invest in individuals. Stay in the Word by Scripture memory and share with others what the Lord is teaching us. You know, discipleship is simply God taking His living Word and transforming our lives. Isn't it encouraging to hear that Ted continues to invest in individuals even at age 92? Let us be as faithful. Join me for our next and final interview with Pastor Ted Veer as he summarizes some of the life lessons that he has learned over the years on making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.